Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we just thank you and praise you so much for this wonderful day that you have made, O Lord, for we shall rejoice and be also glad in it. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we are about to have with you, Lord God, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you prepare our hearts and our spirits and our minds, O Lord God, to receive and understand your words here today. Heavenly Father, I pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today. Touch them, O Lord God. Speak to them in your own special way. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. Glad you could join us here today. And uh, I just want to say that uh, before we even start, why don't you uh, hit pause and go and grab your Bible and maybe a pencil or a pen, a piece of paper to take some notes as Holy Spirit so guides because you'd be surprised how what we talk about in these messages can come back to help you and to, to remind you of what the Word of God says about certain things in your life. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, again, uh, as so many times when we are on these messages, uh, the whole idea of these messages and the Word of God, of course, is to help us to get through through the, the, the day-to-day things of life. You know, we, um, we have ups and downs, we have good times, we have not-so-good times, and so forth. But the Word of God is so excellent, it's so great at telling us how to cope, how to manage, and how to get through the things that uh, give us challenges uh, during this life. Uh, it's not God's will, understand, for us simply to look forward to rejoicing and having a wonderful time in heaven. God also wants us to enjoy and have a wonderful time here on earth also as we carry out God's will for our lives because he has the work for you to do. It may not seem like it sometimes, but he has the work for you to do. So many times we have problems in life that crop up and so many times we struggle with how to overcome these problems. Sometimes we call people up that we know, we go online to see what we can see about others who have maybe had a similar problem, and we start searching everywhere for some answers. Uh, but somehow the problems just do not seem to go away, you know. Uh, many times if we had a solution to a problem, we go in and solve it ourselves. But of course, God is always there to give us the answers, okay? And, and, and don't give up, because as usual, the Word of God can guide us through everything that is happening in our lives, Okay. And today we're going to start with uh, going to Samuel 17 and start right at verse number one here. And uh, it's about David and Goliath. Okay, now, if you're listening to this, you know, just the audio portion or something, please don't shut it off because, you know, we all know the story of David and Goliath. But I'm telling you, there are there is much deeper meaning uh, behind what is written, what Holy Spirit had written uh, in David and Goliath than just the usual story. Okay, so we want to really um, uh, dissect it and really look at it and, and unpack what the Word of God is saying to us. Because in the final analysis, you know, what's really important to us? It's how do I overcome this problem that's in my life? Okay, and right away we think of David and Goliath. Okay, I know he took a sling and he slayed the giant, you know, uh, but it, there's a lot more there. Okay, so what does that have? Uh, what kind of meaning does that have for us today? All right, so starting with verse number uh, one, it says, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shokor, which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shokor and Azekamah in Ephes Damon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley, there was a valley in between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. You look at the archaeological and some of the um, uh, biblical uh, measurements and everything, you'll see that's about nine feet tall. So he was big. I mean, he really was a giant. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. So here we have this huge giant of a man there with this heavy-duty armor, okay? You know, his spear and everything was quite large, and it was heavy. I mean, I mean this was a guy that was formidable. I mean, he was formidable to look at as well as to, to, uh, um, to, to just reckon with in terms of his stature. Verse number 8 says, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are you come out 
to set your battle in array. Am not I a Philistine and you servants to Saul? See, right away now, here he is pompous. Am I not a Philistine and you are servants of Saul? So right away he's saying, I'm better than you. You know, I'm better than you. You know, how dare you come out here against me? Okay. And it says here, choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall you be our servants and serve us. Okay, so that's all right. It's understandable. Saying if, if I beat him, okay, that means you're going to serve us. If he beats me, then we'll serve you. Okay, it sounds like a fair deal. Now, look at remember again how big this guy was. All right. Um, verse number 10 says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay, now just by hearing the words of this man, they became afraid. Sometimes the things in our lives, especially when people threaten us with something, sometimes those words seem to instill such fear in us, especially if that person uh, uh, pushes or presents himself as being someone that is superior to you. I mean, a boss, for instance, I mean, he says something really bad towards you and starts threatening you and so forth. And right away in the natural, in the natural, in the natural, we wind up becoming fearful. As children of God, of course, we don't. But in the natural, of course, when something threatens us, we tend to be fearful, especially if that threat is something that is really, really large. Okay. Now, David, verse 12. Now, David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons, and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. Okay, now don't forget, going back a couple of messages ago, we talked about how David was anointed, anointed by Samuel the prophet. And remember, God told Samuel to go and find me someone who's going to take over the kingdom that I'm ripping away from Saul. And remember, Samuel went before Jesse's sons one by one, and God told, told Samuel, no, not him, not him, not him. But there must be one more. There must be one more, Jesse. And Jesse said, oh, yeah, there's David, my son. That's the shepherd. Samuel said, bring the boy to me. And God said, this is the one. David was the one. So don't forget now, David was anointed. All right? He had the calling and he had the anointing of God, right? The problem that you're facing right now, stop and pause and think for yourself and and remember to yourself that you were called by God. If you're a born again believer, you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you were called by God. And as such, the minute you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the word of God says that the Holy Spirit became, became resident in you and you have an anointing. All right, you have an anointing. You too are anointed. Even though this problem that you may have right now seems to be such a giant problem, such a Goliath of a problem, where you think that you cannot overcome it. Okay? So back to scripture here, it says, verse 14, and David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Now, can you imagine that? that? This big guy, this big guy in all of this battle armor that he was wearing and everything for 40 days, every single day, he comes with that same threat, the same threat. And sometimes when we have a problem in life, that's the way it seems to us. It seems like every single day we wake up in the morning, there's that same threat, that same problem is looming over our heads like it just won't go away. Well, this is what Goliath is doing. Goliath is reminding them that I am here to defeat you. I am here to destroy you. All right. When we have that big problem in our lives, many times it seems like that problem is going to destroy us too, all right? And it comes to us first thing in the morning. As soon as we wake up in the morning, we, we remember. We may wind up getting to sleep at night, and somehow we manage, maybe have a relatively peaceful sleep. But as soon as we wake up and start getting our wits about us, all of a sudden, that problem is right there before us again, okay? All right? But this went on with Goliath for 40 days. It says in verse 17, And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an epaph of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare. 
and take their pledge. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he went to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array against army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren, said hello to his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the army, uh, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And this time David heard them. So he heard David heard them for himself. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. Here they go again. The problem presented themselves. And what did they do? They became afraid and they ran. And the men of Israel, having, have, have you seen, and the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel, he has come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, right away, David is saying this Philistine, this this person, this non-believer, this unbeliever, who is he to defy the armies of the living God? If this problem that you have before you is taking the form of a person, this problem, if it's, it's taking the form in your life of a person, then who are they, who are they to be threatening you? You are a child of the living God. Remember that. You are a child of the living God. So how dare someone that is an unbeliever and a non-believer, you know, especially, how dare they come up upon you and start threatening you with whatever it is that's going on in your life that seems to be such a big problem? Okay, okay, they are stepping out of bounds, okay? Now, being a child of God is not nothing for you to all of a sudden get puffed up in pride about, but it's just simply for you to know that God is your father and that God protects you, okay? And that anyone that comes against you is really treading on very dangerous ground, okay? They don't realize it. They don't realize it themselves, okay? But you are a child of the living God. Don't ever forget that, all right? Verse 27, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, so shall it be to the man that kills him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou hither? Why are you here? And with whom has you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. So in other words, you little shepherd boy, you're just a shepherd boy, and why aren't you back there tending your sheep? Why did you even bother to come down here? So they're making little of him, okay? They're making little of him. And the same thing happens to us in our lives too sometimes, you know? People will try to belittle us and just and, 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 and just try to uh, make us feel so down and that we are not worthy to even walk the, walk the planet Earth for that matter, okay? An interesting thing here is that this is not a stranger, this is not a stranger at all, okay? It says Eliab, his eldest brother, heard, okay? So sometimes we will get discouragement even from family members, all right? Maybe a problem in your life and you're looking for some encouragement and you, you really want to beat this thing, but right away, the first thing a family member could possibly say to you, well, why bother? You're just a so-and-so. You're just this. You're not educated. You're too short. You're too tall. You're too fat. You're too skinny. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, you don't have the skills. They just try to discourage. Sometimes our own family members will do that. And we need to be prepared for that. Okay, we need to remember who we are. Remember, you are a child of the living God. So in this case here, we see his brother, you know, discouraging. Why camest thou hither? And why, why uh, with thou has, uh, where did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Why? I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? In other words, why are you coming down on me like this? What did I do? What did I do? What, what's the reason? Verse 30 says, And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. In other words, they went and told Saul what David had said. Okay, so then Saul told David to come to him. Verse 32 says, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, 
Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. There it is again, more discouragement. Now you have the king. First it was his brother. Now you have the, the king saying, you don't rate, you know, that, 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 that's a, a trained, a trained soldier. And you, you know, you, you're just a youth. So how can you dare compete? You know, don't let anyone discourage you. If there's going to be a solution to your problem and the Lord has given you a solution, don't let anybody discourage you from doing that. Again, don't think that you are less than what you are, than who you are. Don't let anyone tell you that you are not capable. You're not qualified. You're not this and you're not that. So Saul says, you're but a youth. And this is, this is a man of war. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Listen to what he says now. Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servants slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. All right. So you know what David did there? He told Saul, Look, in my past experience, I had this, these encounters with the lion and the bear when they tried to take the sheep. And I slew them. I slew them. Okay? And he knew that it was with God's help that he was able to do that. And he's saying in the same fashion, this enemy, this Goliath, this Philistine, I shall also slay him. I shall also slay him. Because who is he to be coming again, you know, after the armies of the living God? Who is he to, to defile them? You see? you see? And that's the kind of courage and strength that we must have. Stop and think back because there was a time in your life when you had another big problem. There was a time at some distant time, or maybe it wasn't too distant, that you had a really big problem that at that particular time it seemed insurmountable. It seemed like it was a Goliath of a problem that you could not be able to overcome it. But God delivered you. God delivered you. And the same way that David said that God, you know, helped him to slay, to slay the lion and, and the bear, he'll do it again. Well, God will do the same thing for you. The same way he brought you out of that mess that you're in, the same way he brought you out of that problem, solved that problem for you, remember that God will do it again for you. Okay? He will do it again. And David was quite confident in that. And he said, and he said that the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Whatever you've been through, God will bring you through again. Okay? And you need to be as confident as David was. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Verse 38 says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. He hadn't tried it. He hadn't proved it. And David said unto Saul, I, I, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. Okay, so in other words, Saul said, here's a problem. Let me give you the world solution. Let me give you the, the, the common way of defeating this problem, of beating this Goliath. Put on this armor. David put on this armor, but it was so large and so heavy and so cumbersome. And he said, and plus, I never tried out using it. I never tried out, out, out using it. And so he, he took them off. So right now we see that. The, the, the most common method of going into battle was to put on this armor. In our world, in our lives, today here in the 24th, 21st century, 24th, today here in the 21st century, problems come our way and the first thing people want to do is to give us suggestions on beating or solving the problem based on the world's methods. You got that problem? Here, send an email to so-and-so, send a mail to so-and-so. Pick up the phone and call so-and-so. Do this or do this or do that, okay? And it's nothing dealing with God, but it's the way that most people, the way the world would deal with the problem. David tried on that arm. He said, no, I haven't tried this. I haven't used this before. It's uncomfortable. No, I think I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to use it. Right. 
So the solution to your problem most likely is not with the way the world would deal with it. So don't go running to that as an answer to this problem. God is the one that's going to bring you out of it. Okay, God is the one. So he says that, that and David took them off. He took off the, the, the armor that the uh, king Saul gave him. And then verse number six, uh, 40 says, and he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. OK, now let's just just pause there for a minute. OK, because the five smooth stones are significant to these events. Okay, the five smooth, and he had the staff in his hand, and the staff in Scripture represents Jesus Christ because it said that Jesus is referred to as the staff of life, and we must always lean on him. But note again that the word says five smooth stones. He didn't say three, he didn't say four, but the word of God says five smooth stones. Now, we know from being a student of Scripture and from reading the Bible and being in prayer with the Lord and Holy Spirit revelation that these words that were written in this Bible that were inspired by Holy Spirit to be written by men, God does not just waste words. If God says five smooth stones, there's a reason why he said five smooth stones that he picked up out of the brook. We know that from studying and meditating on the word of God that uses word, God uses words to describe the situations because there is significance between every single word uh, within every single word that God gives us. We also know that numbers have great significance in scripture. Three is for the, the Trinity, for instance. Six is for the number of man. The number seven is the foundation of uh, God's word. Seven derives much of its meaning from being uh, tied directly to creation and symbolizes completeness and perfection, both physical and, and spiritual. The word 40 in scripture appears 158 times in the King James translation. The number 40 generally symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. It can also mean or symbolize a generation of man. Moses' life, as an example, uh, was a, a trial, uh, was a trial of testing. And it can be divided up into three blocks of 40 years. But why five? Why five? Now, the study of biblical numerics, and I'm not talking about numerology. Numerology is used for, for, the, for the purposes of, of divining the, the future, divination. And the word speaks very clearly against divination. So I'm not talking about numerology. You don't get, oh, gosh, Pastor Mike is talking about number, numerology. No, no, this is called biblical numerics. All right. And and the whole study of biblical merits is, is exhausted. You know, I don't have the time and this is not, not this, the setting to try and get into a detailed analysis. But what does five represent in Scripture? What does five mean in Scripture? Well, the word five is recorded 345 times in Scripture. Five stands for divine favor that is uninfluenced and invincible. It is the love and power of God that is given to undeserving mankind. Therefore, five is the number of grace. Let me say it again. Five is the number of grace. The number five symbolizes God's grace, his goodness, and favor towards humans. The word five is recorded, as I said, 344, 345 times in Scripture. And since five represents grace, when it is multiplied by itself, five by five, five of course, it produces 25 which is grace upon grace, according to, with John 1, verse 16. And John 1, verse 16 from the Amplified reads, For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. All right? You see? So spiritually... Five is indeed a significant number. Five is indeed a significant number. David's choosing of five smooth stones was significant of his own weakness, supplemented by divine strength, supplemented by God's strength and grace. David was stronger than being in all the armor that Saul had offered him. Something that we have to remember. With God's grace, with God's ability, we by ourselves cannot overcome a lot in this world, okay? Okay, we have no power over spiritual darkness without the name of Jesus and without the authority that was given to us to use the name of Jesus, all right? 
Okay. So this five is, is a number of grace that is being shown to David saying that David, not only are you anointed, but my power is going to go with you. My power is indeed going to be with you when you go to carry out this task. A loving God was granting David favor and was about to redeem him from the hands of the hands of the enemy. God was about to protect him and redeem him from the hands of Goliath. The number of stones has its meaning, yes. But what about the texture? Why smooth? The scripture says five smooth stones. Do you ever try rock skipping when you were young? Okay. I don't know. I mean, if you were in the city all of your life, I don't know. But um, I was a city boy. But from time to time, we went out to Long Island and other places where there was, was water. You know, and, and rock skipping is where you grab a rock and you, you aim it at the, the pond or the, the, the lake or whatever, and you sling it hard. You throw it really, really hard. And then the idea is to get it not to go directly down and sink into the lake, but you want it to skip along the surface of the lake along the surface of the water. That's why it's called rock skipping. So the rock would hit once and then it would bounce, hit again and bounce and hit again and bounce and hit again. And if you threw it just right and if you had the right kind of rock, you'd get four or five, maybe even six skips, you know, going across the water. And it was indeed a challenge. You would pick up a rock, try get another rock and try and try, try. And it was challenging, but it was also fun. So that's rock skipping. That's called rock skipping. Now, the thing about it is that if you've done this before, have you ever tried rock skipping with a jagged stone, with a, a stone that is jagged, odd shaped? It is far more difficult to get a number of repeated skips with a jagged stone. So when you do that, you want to try to find a smooth stone. Right. Now, as a child, I, I never stopped and thought about David and Goliath, you know, events here and about David grabbing a smooth stone. But it just seemed to come kind of intuitively. You want to get a, smooth, a stone that is smooth and nicely shaped so that you can get that skipping really going as best as you can. A round stone, a smooth stone is more is better aerodynamically, so to speak, to cut through the air and through the water. The same way an airplane or a dolphin cuts through the water because of the way it's shaped. All right. A smooth, a smooth, a smooth device goes through air and water, which far less resistance than one that, that is jagged. So the smooth, indeed, it has it, it has a, a reason why God put it in there and God di guided him to those smooth stones. Now, this is all nice to know. But what does this mean to me as a Christian here in the 21st century? Well, it's really, really simple. We are like those stones. We are in the river of life. And we start off being spiritually rough. We start off by being spiritually rough. Okay. And I venture to say that as a babe in Christ, as a, a young uh, Christian and whatnot, if you were to consider using the rock analogy here, you think of yourself as being a, a kind of a jagged or rough shaped rock at this particular point, because you're just starting out in the word. You're starting out in your Christian uh, walk. Those stones that David selected were not always smooth. And at some point they had jagged edges. At some point, they had jagged edges. As the water, and the scripture says brook, okay, a brook is moving water, okay? A brook is not a stagnant pool of water, a body of water. It's moving water. The water, the scripture says brook, indicating movement. And as that water brushed against the rocks, moved against the rocks over time, washed against those stone, over time, they became, became smooth, smooth. And so it is with us, Okay. And so it is with us. Water in scripture is also a type of Holy Spirit. As we grow in our Christian walks, the Holy Spirit washes, brushes, and moves against us in an ongoing effort to remove the jagged, rough edges from our lives. You see, we are indeed a, a work in progress. Okay, we are, are, are a work under construction, if you will. And we're rough around the edges. And so the Holy Spirit, as we go through life, you know, just washes over us and, and, and washes away some of those roof edges. He, he's, he's refining our shape, refining our shape. And he's making us to the point where he, we can be useful to God. We can be used by God, where we can be victorious in this life. Holy Spirit is constantly there washing and shaping us, removing imperfections so that in God's perfect timing, we can be used by him as David was used. So if you've got this problem going on, you know, some of this problem that you're going through, God is, is washing you and God is, is preparing you to do what it is that he wants you to do. So do not despair. Do not despair. This problem that you have, this problem that you may have, 
or a problem that may come down the line that you don't have right now. Remember it for when that time comes, if it does, that, 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 that God is greater and God is preparing you to be an overcomer so that you can indeed overcome that problem that's in your life so that you can defeat that Goliath of a problem that is in your life. All right. During this process, we're, we're always under his grace, too. You may have this problem, but don't forget, you're under God's grace, and God hasn't forgotten that. He's extended you this grace. So don't think that you're in this thing all by yourself, okay? He, he, he's, you're under his grace, and, and as indicated by the number five. Now, to the fascinating point here that I want to make. David collected five smooth stones, but used only one. David selected five smooth stones, but used only one. In all languages, the number one is a symbol of unity. Number one denotes unity, and it also represents primacy or that of being first. Number one is first. It's not second. Number one is always first. Unity cannot be divided. Unity is indivisible, and it cannot be divided and not made up of any other numbers. One is not made up of any numbers. One stands by itself. Two is made up of two ones, okay? Three is made up of other numbers, okay? Three ones or two and a one, right? But one is indivisible. It stands by itself. One is indeed one. Unity being indivisible, it cannot be divided. Therefore, it's independent of all others and is the source of all numbers. Well, so it is with God. God is independent of all. All stand in need of him, and he needs no assistance from any. God is one. God is one. God is the source of everything and therefore has and can supply all that we need. God is the source of everything. God can supply that solution to your problem. If your problem is because of the fact you are lacking something, be it finances, be it a relationship or whatever it is, God can supply that which you need. God is the source of everything. This is what, this, this is what was in that one stone that David used. Okay. I said they used one stone. While David gathered five stones indicating, indicating the grace redemption, uh, the, in the redemption, uh, of deliverance or deliverance, all he needed was the one stone representing God's sufficiency and power to overcome his foe. Again, so it is with us. We must understand that one excludes all difference, for there is no second which one can have conflict. Scripture says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. This does not deny the Trinity, but it excludes another Lord. Therefore, the first commandment says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. All things that we do must begin with God. The solution to your problem, you must understand and realize and believe that it begins with God. The word says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added to you. That means that God must be first. Again, there's that one. Man's natural ways and thoughts are the opposite of God's. God says, seek first, and man says, take care of number one, me first. God says to seek first, but man says, take care of me first, number one. And that might be the source of your problem. Maybe the problem that you have before you is because of the fact that you have not thought of God as being first, that you thought of yourself. How am I going to get out of this predicament? What's going to happen to me if so-and-so happens? If I don't get the money, how am I going to fare? So it's always me. But God says to seek first, seek him first, seek the kingdom of God, God first. Man in his own ways, in his own eyes, is the number one, and his aim is to be independent of God. And if we're not careful, even as Christians sometimes, we forget, especially if we have a problem, we forget that, that, that we are not by ourselves, that we need to put God first, even in this problem. And say, well, Pastor Michael, gee was I don't know how am I going to do this. I mean, Monday morning is coming, and so-and-so is due. Friday, I only have three or four days to wait before Friday, and that's going to be due. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, what about God? What about going to him and stop thinking about yourself as number one? And in so us doing that inadvertently, and sometimes we may not even realize it, but we're being independent of God because we're thinking and looking to ourselves to fix the problem, not thinking about God and bringing him into it, you see? And how can I fix this according to the word? Who can I call or whatever? Independence of God is, independence in God is his glory. Independence in man is his rebellion, sin, and shame. 
All right. Let me say that again. Independence in God is his glory. Independence in man is his rebellion, sin, and shame. So if you're thinking about you as being number one and you're going to be independent of God, then you're being rebellious and you're acting in sin according to the word of God. So we don't want to do that. Therefore, God must be first and above all. David knew and had faith in God without the benefit of various Bible translations, concordances, and study guides. They didn't have any of that information. You know, we have so many different texts today, and, and with our phones and tablets and iPhones and Android and things, we can get the Bible, you know, all sorts of concordances, and I mean, tons of information. David didn't have any of that. He simply knew that he had a faith and a trust in God. And he knew that the same way God brought him through before with the lion and the bear, that God was going to bring him, bring him through again. And you have to remember that also. Again, I say, the same way God brought you through that other problem that at that particular time seemed to be really such a Goliath of a problem. It seemed to be insurmountable that you were not going to be able to overcome. God brought you through that problem. He's going to do the same thing with you today. But David didn't have those study guides and Bibles, but he had faith in God. David trusted in the great I am, who is the source of all and can deliver us from all. For David said to Saul in, in, um, in 1 Samuel 17, 37, remember, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's what he said back then. Amen. Amen. So now we continue on. We go to uh, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 17, verse number 41. And the Philistine came, uh, well, let's, let's go to 40 just to recap, back to 40 to recap. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script, and his sling was in his hand. He drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. Here's again, he looked down at him, you know, this little puny boy, what is he going to do against me? For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, with a little g, by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Okay, now here, this problem in the form of a man, a giant, was threatening David, okay? It was threatening him. You know, first of all, he looked down on him, called him a dog, you know? And sometimes we have people in our lives that are giving us a hard way to go, okay? They tend to want to try to talk down to us. They tend to want to, to, to just uh, uh, show disdain for us as human beings. And especially if they're an unbeliever or a non-believer and you're a Christian, oh boy, they really sometimes try to heap, heap, heap really, you know, venomous words at you just to, to try to demoralize you, to make you worry or to make you more afraid. Okay. Don't be worried and don't be afraid because of the fact that you are who you are. And I don't care what they may say and what kind of threats and what kind of curses and what kind of bad words and names they may call you. Remember who you are and don't let them assume this this um, a, a stature of superiority over you, because where they are thinking and believing that they are superior to you. No, no, no. If anything, it's just the opposite. OK, you are a child of God. They do not realize who you are. OK, then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a shield. But I, underline this, please, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day, this day, verse 46, this day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Hallelujah and amen. Amen. This man came to threaten him, and he turned it around real quick on him. He told him, do you know what you're doing? Do you know who you are coming against? Okay. So you come to me with all of this armor, this, this sword and this spear, and you've got a shield, okay? And he doesn't, David doesn't have all that kind of armor. This man has the weapons of the world, if you will, coming against him. Okay. 
And that's what happens in our lives sometimes. Our opposition or someone that's against us, they may tell us, oh, we've got this, we're going to come against you. You know, we got a lawsuit, we've got this, we're going to do this, and, and all of the ways and the weapons of the world to destroy a person. But David says, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. When that problem tries to present itself to you in that fashion, then you say back, I come against you in the name of Jesus. I've got the Lord of hosts. I've got God on my side. I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Okay. Remember that. Whatever that problem is, God's going to take it away and put you on top. Put you on top. That situation will be well in control. It will be in your hands. And it will indeed be defeated. He said, this day and I will smite thee and I'm going to take your head from you. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air. And all this is going to be done so that the whole earth may know that there is a God. When you defeat that problem, all those that are around, whoever is involved in your situation, they're going to know that God is on your side, that God was indeed the one that delivered you. They will know because through all things, God will be glorified. We look at what's going on around us today, you know, the economy and all of the other stuff that's happening, you know, the children, the schools and all this other, you know, you know, this, this gender stuff that's going on. You, you know, all of these people, every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow. They are indeed going to realize that there is a God in heaven and that God oversees and cares for his people. God oversees the affairs of this earth, of mankind, period. They don't believe and they don't realize it, okay? But they will indeed come to know that God is exactly who he said that he is. And all of these efforts, all of these agendas that are out there today, they're going to fail. Those that are against God or counter to what God says in his word, they're going to fail. And they will know that there is a God. There is a God and that he watches over his people and his children. I pray with all my heart that America will indeed be blessed again, will indeed be blessed again. It was blessed before, and many here have shied away, and we're going to be blessed again. God is still very much in charge. So then it says here in verse number 47, And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. You see, again, he's saying not by the world's standards, not by the world's standards, to know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Okay? So that thing that's going on in your life is not going to be solved by, by, by earthly or by worldly methodologies, by who you can call, who you can write, who you can talk to, who you can go see or whatever. It's going to be, be, be uh, solved by, by the power of God. So you simply rest in that. The battle is the Lord's. Verse 48 goes on to say, And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted. And ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Now, please underline where it says there. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and he drew nigh to he came near David, that David hasted and ran toward the army. In other words, he didn't waste time. He ran towards the problem. He didn't waste time. He didn't stand back and cower and get weak in the knees and back up and go backwards and whatnot. He ran towards the problem. That's what you need to do also. Don't run from this problem. You, you run right to it because you know that God is with you, okay? Don't run away from it. Don't, don't put off until tomorrow what maybe need to be done today, all right? Okay. Don't run away from it. You run towards that problem. Don't, get, don't let a problem become so, so onerous to you, so threatening to you that you just tend to want to run away from it. You want to stay in bed with the covers over your head. You don't even want to get up to face the problem anymore. You know, no way. You run towards it because God is indeed with you. And it came to pass, verse 48, when the Philistine arose and came near and drew to meet David, David hasted again and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone, one stone. David put his bag, his hand in his bag, bag and took thence a stone, one stone, and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sunk into its forehead. And he fell upon his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, one stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Okay. So David ran towards the problem. When he took that stone and put it in his sling, 
and slung that sling that that stone at him. He didn't go to shoot him to to hit him in, in, in the arm or in the shoulder or in the leg. He went for the head. Went for the head. Your problem has a head also. It has a head. The head may not be in the form of a human being. It may be in the home, in, in the form of, of a situation or something that's going on. But you go for the head of the of the problem, whatever is the source of the problem. You don't waste time just going at little, you know, little, you know, secondary parts of the issue. What is the core issue for that problem? Go after that. Defeat that head. Slay that core issue that, that what is really causing and bringing that problem into your life. Don't mess around with peripheral stuff, you know, little picking you little, little miscellaneous things. You go for whatever is the source of that problem. If that source is of the problem is indeed a human being, then that's what you need to address. And you run to do it. Don't put it on. Oh, well, I don't want to talk to so-and-so. You know, I'm afraid of so-, so many people that I meet are just so, I don't know, they're afraid to, to speak to someone. You know, they, they avoid them rather than addressing what the issue is. They, you know, they'll hide from them. They'll cross the street if they see them coming down the road or whatever. You, you know, no, no, no. You are a child of God. Be bold and remember that. Amen. David didn't aim him, aim to hit him in the arm or the leg or anything. He went for the head. And it said that as a result of that, he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed, not with the weapons of the world, not with a sling and with, uh, David prevailed with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him with no sword in his hand, okay, by God's methodology. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. See, he defeated the head of the problem. The rest of the problem just disappeared, went away. That's what we need to remember also. When that problem comes into our lives. If that problem happens to have happens to have manifested in multiple pieces or multiple parts, if you will, You go for whatever the source of the problem is, the head of the problem. Overcome that problem in the name of Jesus, and then the rest of things will just fall away. The rest of things will fall into place. But run toward it, quickly, as David did. said he hasted and he ran towards Goliath. Run towards our problems, too. Don't hide and don't run away from the problems. Once they saw he was dead, they fled. 52 says, and the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until, until um, thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to Sharim, even unto Gath and even unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, and he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? Abner said, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. I don't know. And the king said, Inquire whose son the stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, thou young man? And David said, I am the son of thy servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite, the Bethlehemite. All right. So in closing here, we see that David was indeed victorious. He had this heathen come out against him. The thing that really incensed David was the fact that he was defying God, defying God. Do you realize that someone that is maybe putting a problem in your life, you are a child of God? Okay. That they are defying God because you are God's agent, sent here to do whatever God is calling you to do, and just stand strong knowing that you have the grace of God upon you, you have the name of Jesus on your tongue, that you can go forth and you can indeed conquer in the name of the Lord, and that that problem that you have is indeed, it can be overcome, and you will overcome it in the name of Jesus. If you have that problem, don't be fearing. Go for the head of the source. Don't look to the world's method of defeating or removing a problem, but look to spiritual weapons and guidance of God to defeat and remove those problems from your life. You will and you can be victorious. Just stand strong in the Lord and again, know who you are. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I pray this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, please uh, pass on. 
the uh, links to where we can be reached, and that's www.genesis1.sermon.net. Again, www.genesis1.sermon.net. Um, we're also, uh, if you look at the top of the page, by the way, when you're there and click the subscribe button, then you'll be notified whenever these messages are, are available. We're on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries, and of course, we have our free apps for Android and Apple devices. Uh, download them free of charge, um, and you get to our website either through a browser or through the apps. Uh, all of these messages on there are free of charge. Download them, load them as much as you like. Uh, you can you can download the video or just the audio portion, whichever is easier for you, whichever is easier for you to play back later on. The whole idea is to make the Word of God as available to the world as much as possible. Amen. Amen. So again, pass the word around and uh, continue. Just be strong and be bold. Remember David and Goliath. There's a lot more to it. Goliath can represent any big problem that's in your life, but it can be dealt with, can be dealt with uh, through the Lord and through God and knowing that God in, is indeed in charge and that he is the, he has the one that has the battle and the control and that problem can be removed from your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let us go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And now, as we go into the balance of the day and the week ahead of us, we pray that we shall remember the accounts here of David and Goliath and remember how these events relate to us in our lives, O Lord God. Let us always look to you, O Lord God. Let us always remember that we have grace from you, through you, O Lord God, and that you are our strength. And that we cannot and will not use the weapons of the world to defeat our problems, but look to you because you are indeed the source. You are our source. You are our strength. Let us look to put you first in our lives and not ourselves, O oh Lord God. We just praise you, Lord. We just magnify thy most glorious name in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. In your